Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Because we inherited a bunch of formulas from the Labour Party that shoved all the funding into deprived urban areas. Um, and now inflation is hitting double digits. All of their red ink is really our lacking. This is the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen and Phil Dobby. Well, strikes, inflation, low economic growth, a widening rich, poor gap, geopolitical instability. Is there anything to feel positive about in 2023? Well, maybe there are some things. Let's take a look at the year ahead. What does it have in store for us, good and bad? On the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen, I'm Phil Dobby. Welcome along. Well, whatever this year brings, it can't be any worse, can it, than 2022? Well, maybe if uh, it can, if you know, if you, you live in the UK, because basically we seem to be a basket case economically uh, speaking, at least here. Uh, but is this the year that generally things do sort themselves out? I mean, China reopens more, supply chains resume, inflation starts to fall. Uh, maybe for a while we can reach some sort of economic sweet spot this year. Uh, what do you reckon, Steve? Well, maybe we should start with an easy prediction. Inflation will fall this year, won't it? It's not going to be as bad in 2023 as it was at the end of 2022. Yeah, and one of the funny reasons why it's going to be less severe than people worried about was global warming. Because what has happened, and you and I... This is a world record for you. In the first five seconds... Global warming. Okay. Global warming. The reason is... I was going to say as a proviso, you make your point in a second, I was going to say as a proviso, let's not talk about global warming. Let's talk about everything because there's, enou- there's enough to talk about without the, 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 that. I'm but. talking about an ironic side of it, and that is that because of the instability of the polar um, jet stream, Europe has basked under incredibly warm temperatures mm. over summer, over winter. In fact, it felt like a summer. Outside, the temperature, what is it, about eight degrees? Or Yeah, right now as we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, pissing down with rain, overcast skies. Well, and in but English, it's sort of like a normal English winter's day. I don't know if it's necessarily any warmer. I and mean, we did go through a period just before Christmas where we had three weeks, possibly four weeks, yeah. where it didn't get above freezing. So, yeah. so that's, but, but, that's not but, but, climate, but, but, that's weather. But, but, no, no, that is climate. But so what has actually happened? is that with, if you, the polar vortex or the polar um, jet stream used to be basically like a circle, mm. and now it's like a starfish. Yeah. So you get, if, you, if the arm of the starfish comes down and goes over you, you freeze your titties off, which is what the Americans have been doing for most of, of winter, incredibly cold. You know, freezing temperatures on the on the te- on the Texas coast, mm. sub freezing temperatures in Florida, but in the UK in in the UK and Europe. It's where the, the gap between the starfish arms, all this warm air has come up from the, the tropics, and uh, like it was 13 degrees and 14 degrees in various. And that's often 
the temperature we're seeing, and uh, Europe's global mm. temperature was smashed. So, so that's bad news for Mr. Putin because we've needed less energy. What it means is we need less of his oil yeah. and less of his gas. So mm. the fact that people are stockpiling all this stuff, you stockpile like crazy, uh, and then and then of course that means while you're stockpiling, the prices are rising as well. Mm. And then this winter comes through, which is almost like a summer, and consequently you don't need the stockpile. The purchasing drops off, and the higher energy costs now disappear. Yeah. And that's likely to be sustained. And you'd assume at the same time we are trying to find alternative sources of that energy as well, like shipping it in, uh, slipping it, shipping in liquid natural gas from the United States or, or wherever, so, yeah. we're le- so we're less yeah. reliant. But the point on inflation is, irrespective of what caused it in the first place, it's, unless it's going to keep on, unless you're going to have incremental yeah. growth on incremental growth, it goes down at some point. It doesn't mean prices are going down. It just means the speed is slowed yeah, well, down. If you, look, if you look at it, we talked about this in one of the earlier uh, podcasts late, late last year, and I said you know, there are three factors you can say in, in a broad classification which give you the rate of change of the price level. And one is the markups that firms impose. And the markups, uh, that, that has really been the source of a major part of the inflation because uh, what restrains markups is your perception of competition in your own industry. Mm. And we had such a, the government stimulus was absolutely vital, otherwise we would have had a financial crisis in the middle of COVID. So no no way am I criticising the actual stimulus. But the result of that was people had more money to spend and spent it. Yeah. And and, people with money had more money to spend. Yeah. Well, Mm. even even people without money got some money because like some, particularly Mm. in America, some of the payments people got for COVID in the early stages were better than their wages. Mm. Okay. We've really pushed the working class down so low that the level of support from the state at that time actually increased their incomes. So what you got out of that was, you know, you're a a merchant or you're you're selling computers or you're selling cars or you're selling TV systems or whatever else. you got unprecedented demand. Unprecedented demand. And all of you think you can put your markups up. So you all do. Now, that that particular pressure is disappearing. So the fiscal stimulus of the COVID period is going away. We're falling back to more normal levels of deficits, which are necessary, but Mm. lower than they were during COVID. And therefore, the perception of competition uh, for manufacturers is rising. So they're going to re- they'd be like to reduce their markup. That's one factor going down. Wages, we know, have always been behind the rate of inflation, and there's no capacity of workers to catch up. That's another negative. So if the inflation is running at 8% and wages are at 3%, you've got a force which is reducing inflation over time as well. And the final is the production, the cost of production, the system. And that was, again, severely compromised by COVID. I think it's going to come back when the Chinese, because they're likely to see a huge drop in their capacity to produce as COVID just races through the whole 1.4 billion people there. and production will... But will it be... I mean, it, it, is that going to be any worse than lockdowns have been? I mean, I know what you're yeah, saying. I mean, yeah, and yeah. They, a lot of them haven't had it, so they're going to get it now, and maybe it won't be a mild form because they haven't had the, you know, a particularly effective uh, inoculation mm. like, like we have. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's clearly doesn't yeah. work that well. So they're going to get it bad, but is that going to be any worse than the, the productivity? Potentially we, not, to, yeah. yeah. So we, things could improve there. You're comparing two versions of hell, yeah. <laughs> and this might be a better version of hell than the first one. Right. So consequently, we're likely to see a dramatic drop in inflation coming out of all that. And yeah. then, of course, when you go into the summer period, uh, the need for energy is, uh, well, most Europeans haven't got air conditioning. They're mm. going to be wishing they've got it when the summer comes through. So there will be some... Uh, 
uh, pressure, but nothing like the pressure that applies when you want to heat, yeah. because you've already got the heating facility. If you need to put the heat up, you turn the gas on. That that that's so that this incredibly warm winter has removed that particular stimulus for energy. So costs. this correction that we're seeing then. So I mean, we were sort of agreed on that, aren't we? That yeah. things won't be quite so bad. We will see it sort inflation of inflation wise. Yeah, let's, inflation wise. Okay. I, mean, I, I yeah. still stick. I mean, I, I coined this phrase. It was the twenty twenty was when COVID began, of course. Mm. Literally, virtually the beginning of the year, and then twenty twenty one came along. Frankly, I've forgotten what made twenty twenty one worse than twenty twenty. But then, of course, twenty twenty two comes along, and Vlad decides to invade Ukraine. Mm. <laughs> you know, and then all the other stuff flowing from that plus. Uh, again, climate change dynamics, blah, yada, 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 yada. And I coined to you, this is the hold my beer decade. Mm. Okay. Every year. It's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Now, well, I, I, I have. But inflation is going to come down. So, let me, so we'll talk about all the bad stuff. I am here, obviously. I've got uh, to people have realized this. I'm, I'm here just to try and make stop suicides yeah. happening from <laughs> listeners of this podcast. It's not going to be necessarily as bad as Steve says, well, people. You, you're actually, joke. you reminded me of a great cartoon from Pete. Remember Patrick Cook? The great Australian cartoonist for the Financial Review. All right, yeah. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Patrick had this wonderful cartoon uh, back when Fraser and uh, and I've forgotten the other the member of the Country Party, Doug Doug Antney, I think. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Doug and there's the, well, they've got a bunch of, archa- of, of archaeologists in what obviously the ruins of Sydney. And then one of the archaeologists reads off it. Obelisk said, "It seems inflation fell came down, and everything else followed." <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, that's well, where we're going. Inflation yeah. will get lower, <clears throat> um, and so will uh, the income. Well, no, what will get wider will be the income gap. So you, you mentioned you talked about wages. Central yeah. banks have this great fear, don't they, of of a wage spiral? That's why they keep on pushing up interest rates. So there's there's the question: Is this going to be the year where people actually go? Mm, did central banks get that wrong, or were they? Uh, or is the, this self correction that we're seeing is that going to be helped by having central banks around the world doing their best to tank? the economy so that demand well, is down. Well, what, do they need to do that? Or they, is it don't, they don't. And, right. and I mean, this is, this is the classic case, generals fighting the last war. And the last war they had was the inflation of the 70s. And we did that piece, you know, this ain't your daddy's inflation, that the pressures back then were a genuinely booming economy and actually a credit bubble, which mm. then burst in 73. And, and then you had continuing on in various factors until another burst in 79, 80. And that the 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 inflation was wage driven at that stage back to certainly in the early 70s unemployment in australia for example was ludicrously low one and a half percent of the workforce uh and but even in america unemployment was about the sort of three to four percent went up to about six or seven mm. in australia it went from one and a half to five uh and in that situation you broke the back of the working class capacity to demand wage rises and that has What's they're continuing beating the same beast for the last forty years, further weakening trade unions, weakening bargaining capacity for workers as individuals as well. They have no bargaining capacity. Workers used to be able to collectively organise with unions. Mm. Unions now have been des- destroyed, decimated. Is not a good enough word. It's nine or it's about nine decimals. And there can't be a comeback going on in the UK at the moment, though, don't they? There is a bit of a, of course, the whole argument. And the interesting was, thing is, see, on that is the union leaders are the ones who actually seem like they're talking sense. I think the, they are. They, they're, they're starting to get more of a following. I think. Than, yeah, and, you, than, and you're seeing that. Look, what what has actually been going on for the last forty years? We, we backtracked. 
saying, when this whole anti-union, free market, libertarian attitude of government took over globally, Maggie Thatcher and Ronald Reagan were selling a wonderful future mm. where you wouldn't need unions because there'd be such a level of employment, such a level of demand. You have high wages. You could pay your medical costs. You wouldn't need to go for, yeah. you know. So mobility of labour would take care of that. If you went, well, if you went to to be a greater rate of economic growth. Right. Okay. Mm. They, they, they sold it that we had this you know, terribly slow Keynesian period of low level of economic growth and, and you, therefore you want, you, you want the welfare state to take care of it. They're going to throw that all away. Mm. We're going to get uh, neoliberal uh, growth spurt, growth will be much higher, f- faster. You won't need all those welfare. Mm. What happened 40 years later? It's not working is, out that well. Growth has been slower than it was in yeah. the so-called Keynesian, substantially slow, and slowing down over time. Uh, workers who used to be substantially above their sort of subsistence level of, 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 of livelihood are now much, much closer to that and vitally dependent upon what's left of a health system which has been destroyed by 40 years of neoliberalism. So why this big fear from central banks about this spiral of wage inflation? Again, being, because be- it's just, it's their whiteboard economics. It's the stuff they draw but it, on. Okay, but even yeah. following that logic, if, if inflation is running at, say, 10%, which it is in the UK, mm-hmm. and... Public sector wages are about 2 or 3%. I mean, surely you'd have to be saying, well, we're worried about wages getting above the rate of inflation, getting above that 10%, because then that gets passed on to costs. Those costs then push the price of everything up. People have to pay yeah. more. Therefore, people demand, and we, we get that spiral starting. But that's not going to happen. miles from the scene. Exactly. For 10% versus 2 or 3%, you're miles off that happening. Exactly. But the thing is, that's, that's the way their models work that way. Right. I mean, they, 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 there's all this talk in, in mainstream economic circles. You see Claudia Assam, who's a, you know, a sort of a critic within the mainstream, uh, talking about the abolishing the Phillips curve, yada, yada, yada. You and I have spoken about Bill Phillips. He's a far greater intellect than the caricature that the mainstream has made of him. But the, in the Phillips curve, in those models, it's all driven by wages. Mm. Okay. They don't have anything there about markups because according to their theory of economics, prices are set by marginal cost and marginal revenue. Yeah. So nothing you can do about that. So the only factor they've got left is to batten down on wages. And so it's, it's the... Which is not what happens, of course. So if, if I... It's nothing if I, to do with the real world. If I was running a business and I had to pay... Five percent more to my to my workers because yeah. they were demanding it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have anyone doing their job. Yeah, I'd pay that five percent. That doesn't mean I'm going to put prices up by five percent because they're only a, a, a part of the total overall cost for me anyway. Mm. Uh, and so I might have to put up prices by three percent or two percent, or I might say, well, I'm going to. Uh, have less of a margin it means for a while I'm going to invest less. I'm going to pay less dividends to my shareholders, hmm. uh, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to borrow less for the future because I wouldn't. I want to get through this difficult period. It doesn't all necessarily get passed on. It's no, not. No. It's not that linear but, but, relationship. But they've got this very simple mental mm. model where the only cause of inflation is wage rises, yeah. and therefore you've got to restrain them. <laughs> and, mm. and of course, it's it's got nothing to do with the real world. So we're 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 seeing again as well as paying a price for getting neoliberals into economic theory, economic policy. We're paying a price for having neoclassicism in economic theory. And you can't see what your glasses won't let through the lenses. Mm. And they can't see things like high markups. Now, the the markup analysis I do on inflation comes from Mikhail Kolesky, who's one of the great 
non-orthodox uh, uh, sort of post, original post-Keynesian economists. He's seen as the engineer who invented most of Keynes mathematically before, indeed, Keynes came up with some of his own ideas. So the, 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 that insight is the, the markup, the the productivity of and then the wages. Mm. And you strike one, strike two, but you don't, don't strike three. But the mainstream economic people, the people around this stuff, are going to hit the wages. So in terms of another prediction for 2023, we're likely to see much more labor unrest. And mm. that's certainly the case in the UK right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you don't get any points for uh, for, for predicting that because it's already happening, Steve. Oh, well, damn, okay. <laughs> but you've, you've said time and time again on this podcast that if, you, if wages go too high, then it gets substituted with automation. Companies start going, you know, wage costs are too high to do this. We'll get someone, we'll get a machine to do it instead. And uh, and that can help productivity. That is where productivity comes from. So are we going to go through that process then? Well... Where that that end of course involves investment, mm. and the trouble is we've got. Uh, but the, successful companies often come out of a downturn, don't they? Probably because they've done just that. They've yeah, grasped yeah. the opportunity and yeah. said, "Yeah, let's invest. Let's use less labour. Uh, let, let's develop a better way of doing this." So that and then that's you know that's why the industrial revolution occurred in Scotland rather than yeah. France because yeah. spinning it was jennies. Worth your wife, spinning jenny. You're going to talk about spinning jennies again? Again, spinning jennies. It was cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Whether you'd make a make a profit in Scotland yeah. by displacing six workers, you would have made a loss by doing that in France. So couldn't we see that happening? I mean, could that be the, you know, what? It, not great for those people losing their jobs as part and, part and parcel of all of this, but could that, you know, because we haven't seen any productivity well, Again, increase. I don't expect to see wages rise enough to actually cause it. No. But that's what we need, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, but unions are pushing hard for those wage increases. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do you want? We've got teachers on strike. We've got nurses on strike. We've got ambulance drivers on strike. We've got train drivers on strike. Uh, st- uh, what are, I'm sure I've missed, uh, you know. Um, well, it's, it's actually the you're actually getting a only, only useless people aren't uh, aren't going on strike. You know, radio presenters, for example, less finance there. finance fin- the finance industry is still there. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, so the uh, so the, the, the there is, but I, I can't see them getting ahead of the rate of inflation. It's just too much of a barrier. I mean, the strength of the union movement back in the seventies mm. was quite remarkable. Um, uh, if, they, if they wanted to have a stoppage, they could have a stoppage across the entire country. I used to work with, I had worked in conjunction with the metal workers in Australia on occasions, and I saw what they could do in terms of strikes and boycotts and things like that. That can't be done anymore. And people, I think, have been cowed by the last 40 years as well. So they, they'll simply be happy to get closer to the rate of inflation. I can't see them exceeding the rate of inflation, so you won't get a wage price right. spiral coming out. So we do, we do leave this period with a larger rich-poor gap, which can only be corrected by the government stepping in through greater welfare, for And, example. of course, that's going to happen with the governments we've got around the world right now. Well, there's the thing, isn't it? I mean, there's just governments don't seem very good at planning. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, and that is something that's universal around. We didn't plan well for the pandemic. We didn't have a clue what was going to follow it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's that question about whether politicians actually do any good whatsoever. Well, and, a, I've uh, forgotten which one. There was one of the, one of the great uh, 50s and 60s leaders, forgotten forgotten who it was, unfortunately. But he was actually asked, you know, what, what, what drives your policy making by a young journalist? And this... Uh, like I said, oh, events, dear boy. Yeah. Events. Yeah. We simply not react strategy. To Absolutely. Short term. We react to what's happening. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be reacting to some wage rises, but not enough to hit the rate of inflation. But they'll still interpret that as a reason to suppress wages. Um, the people you talked about are on strike are mainly in the public service employer, yeah. and they're going to like that to reduce investment in public service because of the whole fetish about having a government surplus. Well, I mean, that is because the private sector is paying more 
and the public sector is not getting any more. That's, I mean, the the difference in wage increases in the private sector. Yeah, I I, I don't know, I'm, but the, I think the divide is like two percent versus seven percent. That's that sort of thing. But, so, yeah. so, so the so the the public service can actually suppress the wages of its yeah more easily than the private sector can. Yeah, and and that's ironic in many many ways. But yeah, that's what we're like. They've to got see. more of the ability to pay it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why yeah. they can actually cre- they can create the money. This yeah. is the crazy thing. Yeah. They don't have to run a budget surplus. It's if, and so we've got that 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 stupidity is going to come back again. This so year. on politicians then, and and the poor planning, and yeah. whether you know they politicians do seem to because of that short termism seem to be doing more harm than good in terms of dividing society. Yeah. Uh, wages is an example of that. You know, oh well, if you're poor, if you're a nurse, we we are going to you know we're, we're not going to move, we're not going to budge, we're going to play hardball. Yeah. Uh, even though a couple of years ago we were all going out and clapping, clapping out the front, yeah. front, of, front, of, front of our houses. Forget those days. Uh, we're going to be the hard. You know, I am the hardball uh, prime minister. Uh, mm. Because it's you know because we've all got to take it tough. Apart from me and my wife, who's a, a billionaire. Yeah. So um, the so we've got all of that, and then you've got you know more signs that democracy is breaking down as well. Mm. So you know like Bolsonaro uh, following on in Trump's footsteps and having people raiding the Capitol building uh, in Brazil as mm. well. You know I mean I just wonder whether democracy is breaking down worldwide. If we're seeing that it's just not handled this period particularly well, politicians are pretty useless and uh, could be making matters worse, and society is becoming more divided because of it. I mean, yeah, how- I think that, that fragmentation is going to continue. You're being more less cheerful than me. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry about, about that. that. Okay. Yeah. But the, uh, the, 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 I'm I helping mean, we, you. <laughs> what we we have we have a political system that was based on the over the French Revolution. The left and the the Lagarde and Lagarde. I can't mm. pronounce them anymore. Yeah. Uh, but the left and right sides of the chamber, um, and what you had was a, it's almost like a form of tribalism, uh, you know. And, and the tribalism has become the nature of the politics. But you select for people who are narcissists. Yeah. And serial narcissists. That's why we got Boris. You got Boris. You got Richie as well. I mean, yeah. uh, it, it, you're not getting people who are there, a in any representative sense or B, in terms of any skill set mm. about what they're facing. So, I mean, I see, see people talking about the pandemic for bloody planning. God almighty, it was a total catastrophe yeah. beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. Um, an expensive so, catastrophe, an so amount of money you, wasted. You, you need people who understand systems, yeah. which we don't get, and you need people who re- represent your culture, which we don't get. So I think that level of disillusionment about the inability of our politicians to make sensible decisions will get more extreme. But um, but is that all just going to swing back? So are we going to swing back to the left? So it's already happened in Australia, obviously. Mm. In the UK, if they had an election now, I mean, the Tory party, I mean, it'd be a waste of money standing. I mean, <laughs> they've got something like 20, 20, 25... A biscuit barrel would lose. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be careful. Don't, don't make racist comments on this podcast. <laughs> but I mean, uh, so 25% or something like that, you know, versus, uh, you know, the... I mean, if you added... To, even if you added the extreme right... Parties, yeah. uh, like the Reform Party and UKIP and all that sort of stuff. Add that to the Tories; they're still struggling to get over thirty. You know, they wouldn't get anywhere near forty percent. And we uh, look at America as well. I mean, people th- that the expectation 
was that the Republicans would win back the House yeah. and the Senate, and they failed uh, to do both. So even given the gerrymandered state of American politics and the extent to which voter suppression means that the more conservatives are likely to vote rather than the more progressives, it, it seems the shift is away. And I think this is really a disillusionment with globalization mm. and with uh, neoliberalism we're talking about beforehand. That is well and truly sunk in. Because again, I mean, we... Just, can I just point out, I started yeah. on this was a bad point. You're talking around to being a good thing. I think That's it is a good a, yeah, thing. You yeah. know, in a weird, because, because you're saying, look, we've been driven by myths for the last 40 years. Yeah. What looked like science was actually a set of myths. Mm. And like even for a start, the, the idea you get a faster rate of growth by the neoliberal period. It also, of course, when neoliberalism brings in the belief the government should run a surplus. What that means in practical accounting terms is the government is destroying money. Yeah, taking and it out of the private sector. Taking out of the private sector, yeah. destroying money and say, grow faster, please. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It doesn't work. So there were so many elements of the neoliberal agenda which were based on ideology rather than knowledge. And they've failed to deliver what has been promised for 40 years and as slow and, 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 and unreactive as a large part of humanity is, I think it's sunk into people that this doesn't work. Mm. And then, therefore, that's why you get such a, a much larger amongst the youth these days, people saying they're socialists. Now, whether they mean anything like... Uh, the Soviet it's often used as a swear word, of course, huh? isn't it? It's often used as a swear oh, word. One side it is, but the, mm. like the fact that with the voting populace is leaning in that direction mm. because what they're finding are the majority of people, and again, capital, democracy, as bad as it is, has to get 50% of the voters voting to get the party in power. If you're alienating or disenfranchising 70% of the voters on a permanent basis, then at some point, the majority are going to say, screw you, what's this thing called socialism? Yeah. And that seems to have been the revival around the world. Might be where we're going. Do you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to take a break. We're going to I know. Do, we're going to do that right now and back with more in just a second on the Debunking Economics podcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen and Phil Dobby. Well, we are looking at what could happen at this year. It's been a disaster of a year, last year and the year before. Do you know what? Steve King was almost sounding positive uh, just before <laughs> we took a break there. And, you know, I think we might be right on that as well. So, you know, things might level themselves out in terms of, you know, in inflation. We, we are going to go through a period of slow growth, obviously, and we've got to wonder about how we, how we cope with that. And, you know, that could be a good thing as well. Maybe we can talk about that. But also... Mm. You know, if politics is taking a swing from the extreme right back to the centre or back to the to the centre left, mm. then that has to be a good thing. And I and I also.
also wonder about, you know, there's, there'll be people listening to this podcast who are, who are just in search of ideas, mm. not necessarily economists, just, you know, being told about uh, about this podcast as exploring ways of looking at things that people haven't in the past. And we're, obviously, we don't hold a monopoly on that. And I feel like people are questioning some of the conventions. And as we've been through this difficult period, I mean, mm. it's clear, isn't it? That capitalism. We'll talk more about this uh, in, in a couple of weeks' time as to you mm. know what replaces capitalism. Uh, you know how long is it going to stick around for? But people are starting to question stuff, so that's going to be a good thing as well. Maybe the you know the power of Murdoch is going to disappear this year. That'd be a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a fantastic thing. Wouldn't but it? the money, his sons. Which 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 one of those? He's got he's got a progressive and a reactionary son. I keep on. Oh, really, I don't know. <laughs> progressive in a very loose sense of the word. I suspect. Oh yeah, but, but, you know mm. if you. Coming out of that of, of that particular hornet's nest, yeah. if you're actually more of a bee than a hornet, yeah. you're progressive. Yeah. So, um, and there'll be a new new series of succession this year as well, which I'm immensely looking forward to. We can predict that's going to happen. Again. <laughs> Not that that is about a series about the Murdoch family, of course. But yeah, I mean that 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 idea, almost like a new enlightenment, perhaps uh, happening starting off this year. Well, there's certainly a bit of skepticism about the right wing shock jock mm. uh, approach. So you know, you have the uh, the what's his name? The the is it Hunter or the American? Uh, who was who? Uh, the guy uh, with the bow tie. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, oh well, there's so many of them. You mean the guy who was charged for the uh, the the info wars? No, guy. no, no. Oh, that's right. that's Alan, somebody or other. But <laughs> do very well here, aren't <laughs> there's we? There's so many of them. <laughs> but but they they seem to be losing their ability to shock. Yeah. And and this is because people because, don't believe them anymore. Huh? Because people don't well, believe because them. Because we've anymore. had forty years of yeah. of a neoliberal agenda that has worked out nothing like what people were sold on it being, and people are looking at their personal circumstances and feeling pressured and stressed. Yeah. And in that situation, yeah, that terrible thing, Tucker, Tucker Carlson. No, oh, right, yeah, Tucker yeah. Carlson comes yeah. with that. Doesn't sound so bad to me. Yeah. Because at the same time, Tucker Carlson is supporting Russia, so God knows what's going on there. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the capacity of fear of the non-experienced, not so the unknown, the non-experienced, that's not going to be as effective anymore. It's fear of what's happening. Yeah. That might... Right, good point. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If we don't do this, this is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, where people are going, well, this is already happening. That's right. Yeah. Unlike, you know, the yeah. floods in California. Again, yeah. we're back to global warming once more. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the climate chaos we're seeing globally, yeah. people are starting to get scared by it. So well, Brexit was a fear campaign. And uh, look, it's not worked. Yeah. All those things promised haven't been delivered. So, yeah. you know, yeah. so there's, there's another question mark over it. So there's another angle as well. You know, I think it's worth exploring as to... Um, whether we are actually uh, getting all our priorities in the wrong place because we've become so fixated with money and mm. we're losing contact with what it is at the core to be a human being. Uh, this is becoming very profound all of a sudden, <laughs> this podcast, isn't it? But if you, you know, we, we work to, for leisure, surely, you know, and to enrich ourselves and to, uh, to enjoy art and, you know, people more talented than ourselves. And yet we had uh, those protesters in Brazil, for example, uh, the uh, the Bandeira do Brasil, which is a sort of a, a painting of cultural significance, was ripped off the wall by those protesters and was found uh, lying face down in, in floating water. So mm. sort of untold damage to this multi-million. Not that the money value of it matters because you're talking about a piece cultural of value. C- cultural value. Yeah. All being destroyed by people who are hell-bent on pursuing a, a, a particular angle of politics. So society's lost its way when that's the case. And I just wonder, you know, whether uh, we are going to reestablish, 
you know that perhaps perhaps if we have a period of low growth we'll we'll be more focused on you know what it means to be human rather well, than growth, what it means growth to make has money. Been the, the, the great band aid that means you don't worry about distribution mm. and the whole idea is don't worry about distribution let's grow faster now we've been growing more slowly for 40 years so that particular part of the story is, is falling over and we're now uh, seeing the climatic effects of the amount of uh, waste we're dumping into the environment, feeding back on our capacity right. to, to grow. So that would mean growth, low growth is a good thing. Well, but, low, you know, if you know, if we, we set our priorities. But the thing is, to do it, we have to make sure the burdens fall on the rich, not the poor. Yeah. And that's the trouble. We're not going to do it initially. Mm. Uh, it will be forced into it by circumstance. Again, events as they were for Macron when, when he put up the, the taxes on, on diesel and you had the gilets jaunes being formed. Yeah. It'll be because reactionary. Because the, huh? the poor paid for that rather than the rich. Yeah. Sorry? Because the poor were paying for that rather yeah. than the rich. Yeah. yeah. No, you, you simply can't do it. The, the, income, the, 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 the story of neoliberalism that you'll, you'll grow more far, more rapidly, you'll have higher wages, you'll be able to buy, buy everything, you won't need the state support. That's all totally wrong. People, are particularly in the bottom... 40% of the population in most of the West, I think, uh, would be thinking that now. Um, so, yeah, they're going to, uh, if you're going to have attempt to grow more slowly, then you have to put the burden on the rich, not the poor. Now, our politicians have absolutely no capacity to think that through. Mm. So I think we're going to see social conflict over that as well. But also, you know, do we, do we spend more time, because we've got this focus on money, all we do yeah. Is we push prices up, obviously. So you know, I mean, the proportion of money that we spend on a house, for example, is just disproportionate now compared to where it was decades ago. We need to earn more. We've got to have two people in the family going out to earn, just so you can afford to get a house that one person could earn on a far lower real wage. Forty years ago. Forty years ago. Yeah. Uh, so we've created that for us, and and we are working longer. I remember, you know, being at school, and we were all being told, you know, well, a leisure industry would be a good industry to go and work in because there's going to be so much more demand because we are all working so much less. We are going to need to find things to do with our time, for goodness sake. That's what we were being told. That was the lie <laughs> we were told back then. Yeah. Uh, whereas now, you know, people are working harder than ever just to keep uh, their head above the water. And that means that things like, you know, uh, consuming the arts or participating in, you know, just broadening the mind, whether it's the arts or learning or broadening the mind and uh, mm. more self-awareness rather than just money generation are we going to get to that stage and how do we get there you need a buffer you need a financial buffer to be able to do that we haven't got it yeah so i think we're going to it, it is going to be uh, uh i think we're saying how the hell do we get here mm. yeah? uh, and you know what does a decent society look like it certainly isn't the one we've got yeah uh, but as to whether it's going to be expressed effectively in our political system i'm not holding my breath so central banks, let's just switch back to them. Oh, there are they. Are they here. going to? Are they going to be found out this year? Are they going to? They, for example, on interest rates, are they well, going that, to have? That, that comes are they going, is there going to be a massive backtrack? Are they going to go? Oh, look, you know. Uh, what we've done has had no impact whatsoever. Or perhaps they're going to say, oh, look, inflation's coming down. That's all due to us. Well, that, the real impact they've had is, is crashing asset prices. Yeah. So we've had a huge plunge in house prices, a huge plunge in share prices as well, which I think will continue. Mm. Uh, and and the interest rates the banks are putting as a major reason as to why. This is back to their, you know, their whiteboard model of the economy. So putting up interest rates reduces wage rises, blah, blah, blah. What it actually does is crash asset prices. 
Now, in that situation, if you start to see parts of the financial sector folding because their assets are declining in value where the liabilities remain constant, then yes, the central banks will be forced to reverse direction. And I've got a feeling it will start happening this year. Uh, first of all, the, the falling inflation we spoke about earlier will start to turn up in the data. That takes away the pressure. But the main thing is the collapse in asset prices. If that continues, then at some point, the central banks will get calls from their private bank friends saying, you know, if you don't do something, we're going to go bankrupt. Well, do you know, I mean, it's already priced in, isn't it? If you look at bond prices, they're already indicating that there's an expectation that they're going to start pull- pulling down uh, the interest rates this year anyway, even though central banks, they're going, no, no, we're not. Because a lot of signaling goes on, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, 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 we're not going to. Yes, we are, by the way. <laughs> it's- <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but I don't know. But are they going to maintain their credibility at the end of all of this? Well, they shouldn't Mm. uh, because, I mean, if any part of the world has been taken over by neoclassical economists, it's central banks. Right, but that wasn't the question. Will they maintain their credibility? Will they? Well, if they're forced into reversal, which I think they will be this year, faster than they thought they were and by a collapse in asset prices they weren't necessarily factoring in, yeah, they'll be less credible, but they'll still be in charge. Being, being Not being credible doesn't mean you don't have power. Mm. And that's the trouble. We've got lots of incredible people who are in power. Yeah. And I don't mean... Unincredible. Uncredible people. Non-credible. Non-credible people. Yeah, yeah. We that's think the, they're incredible people yeah. who are in power following an ideology which has failed. Yeah. Well, Rishi Sunak is one of those incredible people. I mean, let's face it, he does look good in a suit. and they he do does. See, they do seem to fit him extremely well. And I can't help noticing his shoes are always nicely polished. So uh, <laughs> I can imagine him doing that himself first thing in the morning before he appears on camera. Uh, and he wants uh, everyone to study maths. Till they're 18. That's part of his one of his central planks that, uh, you know, we should spend less time. Gets back to that whole thing about less time doing arts and humanities. Uh, you know, people who aren't very good at maths should spend more time not being very good at maths for another two years rather than actually pursuing things I, I, that they are very good at. I'd rather give some, quite a number of politicians a decent math lesson. I know they've got their <laughs> model of money wrong. So that, I'm all in favour of more math. And Russia. And what's going to happen there? Can we uh, com- can we completely sideline Russia? Uh, and if you know, is the world going to be split in two? Are well, we are we going to find it's going to be the West versus the rest? God, I mean, the, 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 God knows. Yeah, that's the only answer. Isn't and I've it, got. So? Yeah, I mean, the, I, I certainly didn't have Putin invading Ukraine on my bingo card for 2022. Yeah. Whether I have Putin p- pulling out of Ukraine on 2023, or trying to find some some way out. I mean, it's it's been a, a war. But we'll never trust Russia again. Huh? We will never trust Russia again, as long as we are alive. I well, think that, Russia that, doesn't trust us either, and they've got a good history behind it as to why, you know, the, the, the attempt is, as I got told directly by Jeffrey Sachs, the State Department in America using the transition to try to destroy mm. the Soviet Union after it had collapsed. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got plenty of reasons to antagonize the Russians. Um, but this, I mean, this, this whole... A few, few decades have gone since huh? then. A few decades have passed but since nonetheless, then. we've continued the same pressure overall. And the, the end result was that Putin overplayed his hand mm. drastically. Mm. And now the question is, how do you... When you've gone into a poker game in that sense, all in, and you haven't got the cars to support it, how do you pull out? And uh, I'm hoping that there will be some easy resolution on that front. But we're coming up to a but year. But what would that be? I mean, there's, so we, so the West is not going to trust uh, Putin. We're going to be very, so we're not going to buy it. We are going to readjust getting where we get our energy from. 
we're not going to be happy about well, it's rather other, hard other, to do that <laughs> well yeah but i mean well we will do the best we can well it we? will accelerate the trend towards um solar and Renewables. wind yeah, yeah. i mean it should be accelerating nuclear as well but that won't happen given mm. political attitudes to nuclear but yeah the, the pressure to get alternatives to but that's one positive out of the disaster of the ukraine invasion that people say we, we can't afford to be dependent upon energy uh, coming from sources which we... But if Russia becomes a sidelined country, then, I mean, it's still going to try and sell its fuel. It's just going to sell it to India. It's going to sell it to China. And then we're not going to be very happy dealing with India and China if we know they're getting uh, the advantage oh, of cheaper fuel from, from Russia. I mean, it's a case of being able to sweep it under the carpet. Mm. You know, we're not buying from Russia. Big deal. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, the, the, the pressure to go away from fossil fuels... That's one positive out of 2022, that uh, you couldn't get people to, to, to understand it in terms of global warming needs. But when they see their economies that are dependent upon uh, energy sources that they're politically in conflict with, then getting as much of your energy produced, generated locally, becomes much more attractive. So that's, that's one essential positive for 2023. We might see a much more serious push for uh, sustainable energy not that they're necessarily sustainable in the long term, but non-fossil fuel-based energy systems might get, might get a large kick over 2023. Honey shall cost more than candle wax, so high the price of wheat that man is stirred, his fellow man to eat in his despair. That was uh, Nostradamus saying that food is going to get so expensive we're going to start eating each other. I, I'm not quite sure we're going to go quite that far. You are really taking over from me on this particular episode, aren't you? <laughs> but that, that is the danger. I mean, um, Well, we are going to start eating each other. Well, well we, 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 again, I think the, the real pattern for the next decade is going to be what impact global warming has on the sustainability of our economies. And crazily enough, I mean, for a while, the, the drought that was hitting uh, America looked like it was going to potentially damage their capacity to produce wheat for 2023. But the floods that have come through to the atmospheric river floods in the last two or three weeks look like they've replenished a lot of the aquifers and a lot of the dams. And so that may be, we in some ways, 2023 may be a bit of a lull before the storm. On a, another Nostradamus, on a hot day, the weather will become dry, the wind will turn into a hurricane, covering the moons, stars and everything in the constellation, making the day look like the night. No one will escape from that place, only those who believe and those who need to know the wrath of the Lord. So it's God, basically, is responsible for all of this. It's not climate change. It's God. God's, <laughs> God's, God's doing it all. And I've, got, I've never actually read Nostradamus. Looks like I better... To ten, you might, yeah, you might exactly find that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he, he predicted modern monetary theory, or mm -hmm. but maybe. Maybe mm -hmm. it's in there. Who mm -hmm. knows? But, uh, yeah. But, yeah, we should all tend to God. Look, I think um, the, there's some positives that have come out of the last 30 or 40 minutes. And we've got more reason to be optimistic. This is me doing the, you know, so don't... Try to, don't, don't listen to know, Steve. Don't, yeah. don't listen to Steve. Well, do listen to Steve, because actually a lot of this came out of your mouth in the last 30 or 40 minutes. The, the, we, are, yeah. we are shifting to the left. Hmm. We are recognising climate change is, is a thing, and we're looking at alternative energy sources. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the point I was trying to make is maybe in this, in this shift we will start to worry about more important things like society 
rather than money. And maybe that'll be some of the things that come out of this year. You've got to have a society to have money that works. So, yeah, that's going to be a major emphasis. Yeah, what a great point. I feel, I feel liberated and enthusiastic. I'm, I can't wait for this year uh, on the basis of all of that, Steve. Let's wrap it up at the end of 2023. Let's go now. Let's go quickly before you change it all. All right, next week, uh, modern monetary theory and opportunity cost. Can the two go together? I've got a question for you on that. We'll okay. do that next week. Good to talk, Steve. Okay. The Debunking Economics Podcast. 